All right, y'all ready to get in the Word? Okay, so, you know, last or two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of tithing. We talked about the main, the main truth, the most important reason everyone should tithe is because tithing puts God first in your life. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Tithing helps us to get our heart right and to keep our heart right with God by putting him first. Because remember, Jesus said, our hearts follow our giving. Whatever we give to, our hearts follow it. In fact, he said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's not where your heart is, your treasure will be, where your treasure is, whatever you put value on, whatever you invest in, that your heart follows that. And Jesus is more interested in our heart than he is our pocketbook. But he knows to get to our heart, he has to talk to us about our pocketbook. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, he, he wants us to be blessed, right? And he tells us in Malachi 3, in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that they may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast as grapes, says the Lord of hosts, and all the, all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, he talks about here that encouraging us to be tithers, and he says, I take a step of faith and test me and trust me and see if I won't pour out a blessing for you and if I won't rebuke the devourer where your grapes won't cast as grapes and your fruit won't fall off the vines. And, of course, we don't rely on, on grapes and, and our, our, our agricultural harvest to make a living. But basically what he's saying is I'm going to watch over your finances. I'm going to watch over your financial life. I'm going to protect you from the harm of the evil one. How many of you think that's a good idea right there? And so that's what he's talking about. And so, you know, I want to encourage you, if you're not a tither, to begin tithing and take a step of faith and trust God that the reason why we're doing it is to make sure that our heart stays right with God and positions us to receive the blessing and favor of God every day of our life. Amen? Now, today I want to talk to you about living free. You know, sometimes people, you know, I've prayed with people, they've had financial difficulty, and they'll come up to me and say, Ty, would you pray for me? We're, we're struggling financially. And so we'll pray together. And somewhere along the conversation, they say, you know, and we tithe. And so, you know, I could tell in their face, and without them even saying it, I could feel, I could tell in their face there's a little disappointment there because they're saying, hey, I'm tithing, but I'm still struggling financially. And I think there's even maybe a little doubt like, God, do you really, do you really mean this? Will you really watch out for me if I begin to tithe my income and, and give my first to you? And, and so, you know, it breaks my heart to see them. But you know what? I believe that that, you know, listen, if you want to get free, financial freedom, you need to not just one use one principle of God finances, but you got to use this whole counsel. Like, for instance, you know, if, if you want to get in physical, if you want to be physically fit, and you say, you know what, I know to be physically fit, I need to exercise. And so you go and you start exercising. 
and you go to the gym or you run, you know, in your neighborhood or you lift weights, whatever you do, and you start exercising. But then when you get home at night while you're watching TV, you reach into the pantry and you pull out a whole bag of Oreo cookies and you eat the whole bag. How many of you know? Amen. There, there's, there's a witness right here. Amen. And you say, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is not working. I mean, I've been going to the gym. I don't understand why I'm not dropping any weight. Why I'm not getting more physically fit. I mean, after all, I've been exercising. How many of you know if you want to be physically fit, you got to apply more than one principle. You got to exercise, yes, but Grady, you can't eat the whole bag of Oreos. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? So the more, the more principles that you apply to your life physically, the healthier you will be. If you get proper nutrition, if you get proper rest, if you exercise, you're going to get in better shape. Financially, financial freedom. You know, what does that mean? It means free from anxiety and stress and worry. And more people struggle and stress out over finances. And I believe that for some people, they could be totally delivered from that stress if they just learn the principles in the Word of God. So what I'm talking to you about today, brothers and sisters, is that, you know, when we talk about tithing, you know, remember God says, bring your tithe. You can't give God your tithe. It's already his. You got to bring it to the storehouse, right? But listen, you can't just be faithful with 10%. You got to be faithful with 100%. Come on, I'm going to wait till I get a better amen before I keep going, right? Come on, how many of you believe you got to be faithful with all of your money, not just 10%? And so I believe sometimes people are not free financially because they're, they're just applying one principle. So I want to talk about some principles that will help you to get financially free. Proverbs 16, 6, 16, 16 says, how much better it is to get wisdom than gold and get understanding is to be chosen above silver. Now listen to what it says. It's better to get wisdom than gold. In other words, it's saying it's better for you to become wise about your finances than having more money. It's better for you to understand, to get understanding. You should be looking to get more understanding instead of just worried about getting more money. Why? Because it takes wisdom to be able to keep your money. This is my paraphrase. Getting financial wisdom and applying it to your life is more valuable than just acquiring more money. See, what we need to understand is we can work hard and we can be diligent and and it'll allow us to get and earn more money. But sound financial wisdom will allow you to keep the money when you make it. You know, have you ever heard of people like, like, professional athletes or even actors, actresses, people that make millions of dollars and they end up broke. And you say, oh my goodness, you made $65 million. How could you be broke? No wisdom. No wisdom, no financial wisdom. So what I want to talk to you today about is how to be financially free and apply some principles that'll help you stay financially free. Are you ready? Number one, get financial vision for your finances. Now, by vision, I mean, I mean, financial vision is having a mental picture 
It's having a goal. It's having a plan of how you're going to use your money. So look, do you realize how much of your life you have to give to work to earn a living? And so, you know, the last thing you want to do is just trade what you worked so hard for, you know, in an unwise way, in an, in a foolish way and squander what you've given so much of your life for. Are y'all with me out there? And so you got to get a vision. Now, just as you need a goal and a plan, if you want to get in financial health or physical health, if you want physical fitness, you got to get a plan. You got to get a goal. In other words, you got, you got to have a plan when you're going to exercise. You got to have a plan what you're going to eat, when you're going to eat. You have to have a plan of how you're going to, how you're going to order your life if you want to be physically fit. Financially, you got to get a plan. You got to get a picture of what you're trying to accomplish. Why do some people retire comfortably and some people retire broke? Why is it that some people have more things, buy more things, go on vacations. They do more. They can do more financially, and some people can't. Is it because they earn so much more money than the other people? Not necessarily. Sometimes it's simply because there's no financial wisdom. So you got to get a vision. A vision is a mental picture of this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. You see, people that retire comfortably, They've been preparing for this for 40 years. Come on, are y'all with? Y'all help me out here, right? You know, people that, that can buy stuff. You know, some people, sometimes we look at something somebody buys and we say, I wish I could buy that. But we don't know the story. We don't know how long they've been saving for that. We don't know how long they've been preparing for that. And we look at them and say, man, I wish we could have that. And I think God is saying you can have that. But you got to get a vision. You got to get a financial picture. Listen, the power of financial vision is it releases provision. And I believe this to be true. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law." So what the scripture I believe is saying here is financial vision gives you personal restraint in your spending and the management of your finances. So whenever you get your paycheck, you don't just spend it frivolously. You spend it in a wise way. Are y'all with me out there? Financial vision keeps you from wasting and squandering all your money on insignificant purchases. So how do you get financial vision? You get a plan. You get a goal. Short-term goals. Long-term goals. Like, for instance, you get a short-term goal. I'm going to pay that bill off. I'm going to pay that loan off, a long-term goal. I'm going to start now putting away some money so that whenever I'm older, I will have some money to live on. Financial vision helps you to reach your financial goals that you would otherwise never, ever reach. But it takes, it takes vision. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any vision for your financial life? You know, I know a couple that paid their house off whenever they were 36 years old. They paid a house off in nine years. You say, well, how did they do that? They got a vision. 
They got a vision to pay that house off. And so you know what happened? Whenever they would get paid, they didn't just spend their money on anything and everything. They started paying on that house. When they got their income tax, you know, most people, they already got their income tax spent before they get it. You know, they take part of their income tax and they would put it on their house. And whenever they finally paid that last note on that house, they did cartwheels and they said, praise the Lord, I paid my house off. Are y'all with me out there? Let me encourage you. Take time to write down a financial vision, a plan, a goal of where you want to get financially. Get a financial vision for your family, for your life. And you know what I believe? When you get a financial vision, God's going to release provision. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2, record the vision, inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. The vision is yet for the appointed time. Though it Though it hastens toward the goal, it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come to pass. There is power in getting vision for something. Like Dave Ramsey says, you just take baby steps. You got to take, you can't, you know, listen, who can go just write a check and pay their house off? Not too many people. Who can write a check and just pay their car? Not too many people. But if you get a vision for where you want to go financially, you're going to and start taking baby steps. Before you know it, you're going to get to where you want to go. Amen? Amen. I remember Pastor Brad Sons, those of you that have been here for a while, Pastor Brad Sons, I remember going in his office one day, and he had a picture of a boat on his tape to his computer. And I said, hey, did you get a new boat? He said, no, not yet. I said, oh, you didn't? I said, what's that? He said, that's a vision. I said, it's a vision? He said, yeah. He said, I'll look at that picture every day and say, that's what I want to get. I want to get me that boat. It was a Nordic star. And I remember the day whenever he, him and Miss Joyce turned in our driveway with his truck and right behind it was that brand new Nordic star. And he pulled up and he was a happy camper. And he said, there's my boat right there. And I thought about that verse. Vision is yet for the appointed time. Though it tarry, wait, and it shall come to pass. But you know what? Pastor Brad put that vision of having a boat, and whenever he'd get extra money, he would save it. And he started saving. And one day he went out, and he was able to purchase that boat. I believe God can bless all of us if we'll get a vision of where we need to go financially. If you got this point, say, Todd, I got it. All right. The second principle, exercise financial restraint. Exercising financial restraint, it's what's called delayed gratification. You know, our our society today, we just live for today. And we don't think about tomorrow. But tomorrow will come at the end of today, right? So we can't just think about today. We have to think about the full picture, right? But listen, delayed gratification is resisting the temptation to get an immediate reward now in preference of a greater reward later. You see, so we, we don't, we don't reward ourselves right now because we want to get a greater reward later. It's called delayed gratification. Delayed gratification is really financial restraint and it's basically self-control. How many of you know, if you want to be financially free, you got to have Self-control. Come on, let me hear a better amen. You have to have self-control if you want to get in shape physically, right? Right? Right, great. You can't eat that whole bag of Oreo cookies, right? And so listen, 
You know, here's what financial restraint looks like. Number one, financial restraint means spending less than you make. Less than you make. Statistics indicate that the America's, the average American spends 10 to 20% more than they make. 10 to 20% more. You say, well, how do they do that? Credit cards, loans. You can spend money that you don't even have with a credit card or with loans, right? So financial restraint means self-control, but it also means staying out of debt. Most of us have at least some debt. You know, it's kind of hard to, it's not easy to pay your house off. It's not easy to buy a car and pay it off. So some debt is understandable and is, and it's practically necessary. But we're not talking about unnecessary debt here. We're talking about credit card debt. We're talking about loan debt. Because most of the time when we make a loan or we use our credit, we get, we build up credit card debt is we're spending money before we get it. And we're not, we're not exercising self-control. So if you want to be free financially and get out from the strain of, of, of stress and anxiety over your finances, you need to start implementing the, the self-control of not getting into further debt than you are right now and start paying your debt that you have. Amen? Nothing will compromise your financial freedom like major financial debt. In fact, Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. You know, Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, when you allow yourself to get into debt, you give another person power over your freedom. Too much debt leads to financial bondage and slavery. And every year, every year, the average American has a larger and larger debt load. Even like college students. You know, obviously, you know, a lot of college students have to make loans to pay, you know, pay um, tuition and all that. And so it's not unusual for a college student to finish college and they have, you know, student debt. But that's not the debt that's building up even with, with college students today. It's the frivolous spending. They wanting to live like they're making six-figure income while they're still in college. But you know what? It doesn't work like that. Some of you went to college and you ate, you know, beanie weenies and Roman noodles for, you know, four years, right? Can I get a witness here today? Amen. And listen, even, even high schoolers now, you know, listen, the, the credit card companies, they'll be, they'll be obliged for you to have their credit card and for you to get yourself in debt. And so now they're trying to get high schoolers to have credit cards and the high schoolers, before they even get out of school, they've built up this mountain of debt. Too much debt leads to financial bondage. Amen. But here's the third point. Financial restraint means learning to be content with what you have. You know, listen, you know, 1 Timothy 6, 8 says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. We'll take in nothing, anything with us when we leave it. So if you have food and clothing, let us be content. You know, debt usually results from us not being content with what we have. And really, whenever you think about it, a lot of debt is the result of a spiritual problem, not a financial problem. 
and we feel like we got to get the new whatever because we want to do, we want to be cool or we're just trying to find, we're just trying to, to, to meet a core need that we have for identity or something. And we're spending money to try to fill a need that only Jesus can fill. Are y'all with me out there? And so all it takes is, you know, for us to just try to meet that need and we go pull out the card or whatever, and we buy something and we start, you know, showing it off, telling everybody. And really what we're doing is we're just not living in contentment. How many of you know, saints of God, we need to learn to be content. Amen. In fact, Paul said in Philippians 4.11, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. Amen. And I love what Dave Ramsey says. Hey, listen, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. They're broke. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So I just released you right there. You don't have to get that new whatever. Okay. We have to learn to be content. And listen, I, I just, in talking about all this, I just want to give a plug right now. Uh, Sean and Kristen Dore is sitting right here and they, they just started a, a life group on, on, um, on Wednesday nights called Money Matters. And it's by, um, Dave Ramsey and, uh, Craig Rochelle. But they're going through money matters. And you know, listen, you spend the majority of your life making money. And so to not be wise with your money is not wise. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. You didn't tweet that, right? Pastor Todd said not being with your, wise with your money is not wise. Wow, deep stuff. Amen. But I want to encourage you, Wednesday nights, invest in a Money Matters class and learn more, and you'll get further ahead financially. If you got that, say, I got that. The third principle is this, develop the habit of saving. It's a bad word, I know. Saving. Most Americans live paycheck to paycheck and are just weeks away from financial trouble. And the reason is, is because they, they have to have their paycheck when it comes, or are they going to be upside down financially? And the reason, listen, the reason why we have to live paycheck to paycheck is because we have no savings. You have to have savings. Otherwise, it'll just take one emergency to sink you financially. Are y'all still breathing out there? One visit to the mechanic shop, one doctor's appointment, right? One insurance premium, and you're done. So most people live financially stressed out because they have no margin in their finances. They have no savings. They have no extra money to cover une unexpected expenses. And listen, you know, I'm 56 years old. And you know what I've learned? I've learned a few things. One of the things I've learned is you constantly have financial emergencies. Have you noticed that? Like for some reason, I think them tires on my truck, they will never wear out. But then I get shocked and I find out that they won't hold air. And they said, well, the threat, the, 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 the treads are gone and it's losing air. You're going to need a new tire. What? How much? How much? Come on, are y'all with me out there? Listen, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to have emergencies. 
The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Right? Heathen's tires wear out and Christian's tires wear out. Amen? So save for upcoming expenses like insurance premiums. And, you know, some people... All they need to do is get around Christmas time and they feel the obligation. I don't want my family to not have gifts. And so, you know, everybody else is buying gifts. And so, you know, they're standing next to each other in the store and it's like, oh, well, they're getting a nice gift. I should, I'm going to go put this back and get a nice gift. And one Christmas season and they wake up January 1 and they go, oh my goodness. And you know what's the amazing thing is that Christmas comes every year. And it's on the same day. Christmas is on December 25th. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but it's coming again. It's going to be here. So, man, if you could just save just a little bit, preparing for Christmas, maybe it would help you to live financially free. This is very practical stuff. It's hard to preach financial stewardship, but here it is. It's good stuff, right? Come on, if you're receiving it, say, I got it. So set savings goals. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Save for emergencies. Number two, save for upcoming expenses. And number three, save for the future. You know, when I worked in the oil field, I was 18 years old when I started working out there. And I mean, it's tough. Those of you that worked offshore, worked on the rigs, it's not easy, man. You got to fly the, the seas whenever that tug, that crew boat is doing like this. And, you know, you launch, you know, well, let me just keep going. And, and you know, it's cold out there. There's nothing to block the wind. You got to work whenever. I mean, they don't care. I don't want to go to work today. It's cold. Forget it, man. We're going to send you to the beach and get somebody that wants to work. You got to get out there. But I noticed there was old men out there. And, and you know, grandpas. And I, and I look at them and here my fingers are about to fall off. My hands are so cold. And, and I'm having a, to weather this, this brutal climate to make a living. And I, I look at them and I say, why are you out here? You shouldn't be out here in this golf, hanging on a personnel basket over the golf with a, a, a crane dangling you out there. And the crew boat is doing like this and they're trying to land you on it. I mean, it's not the best scenario. And they would tell me, Todd, I got to come out here because my house is not paid for. And if I don't come out here and work and I don't pay for my house, I'm going to lose everything. And I thought, man, this is the price of not having a financial vision, having a financial picture. You got to get a vision and you got to get wisdom. And one of the things is just don't live for today. Plan for the future. Amen. Amen. You know, um, you say, well, Todd, I don't make that much money, and I, I don't know how I could save. Well, listen, get you a piggy bank. Start start with a penny. Because you see, it's the concept that you got to, didn't Jesus say, if you're faithful with a little, I'll give you more? And so, listen, I say, save a penny per check. And you say, well, Todd, that sounds ridiculous. How am I ever going to get somewhere? You're releasing a principle over your life. 
And you know what I believe? I believe that if you'll save a penny, you're going to run into a penny somewhere in the mall whenever you're going down there. Amen. There's going to be one on the floor and God's going to double your penny for you. Save your change and pull it out for Christmas. Amen. In fact, there's an app now called an Acorns uh, app, and, and they, you could save change electronically, and they'll round up every purchase and all that kind of stuff. But you got to learn how to save. Here's a fourth principle of financial freedom. Establish the habit of giving. And you say, Todd, if I'm trying to get financially free, and you're telling me to give, don't you think I'm, I'm, I'm just going further in the hole? No, listen to me. Financial freedom is more than just having money. There's people that have pockets full of money, and they're not free. In fact, you remember Howard Hughes? He was the guy that lived in like a hermit, and his fingernails were like corkscrews because he was afraid to get a, a disease or something by being around public, and he died a miserable man, and he was filthy wealthy. You heard of Rock, uh, Rockefellers. They asked the Rockefellers, how much does it take to be happy? And he said, one more dollar. See, to be financially free doesn't mean that you have enough money to buy everything you want. Because even people that have money to buy everything they want, it doesn't mean they're financially free. See, financial freedom has to happen in the heart. It starts with the heart. And financial freedom is when you have a heart that's free from greediness, from stinginess. It's when your heart's free from being someone that always wants to get and never wants to give. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. Financial freedom is when you have a heart that's free to give to others. And you see, as I said before, some of us, we have the gift of giving. And some of you, man, you, you shame the rest of us because you're just so generous. And you're on this side and you look at everybody that's greedy and stingy and it's like, man, what's the matter with y'all? But then you have people on this side for whatever reason. We don't want to let one penny go. And we're so worried. And you know, there's people that go to their grave and they have a bank full of money and they live like a pauper. And they're miserable because their heart never got free. The antidote to greediness, stinginess is to give. You got to learn to give. You say, but Todd, what if I'm struggling now? You got to give. Save one penny in your piggy bank and give a penny away. You got to learn. You got to start somewhere. You got to begin to be a, a giver because that's what's going to break that stronghold off of your life. And I believe God will bless you for doing it. Amen? How many of you know the Lord wants us to be a blessing? He wants us, you know, whenever, whenever I first got saved, I was always looking for a deal. I was always looking for somebody to, to, to bless me and to give me a deal. And it just occurred to me one day, you know, why don't I change that mentality and say, and believe God to bless me and me be a blessing to others? And, and I'm the blesser. Instead of having my hand out looking for a blessing, how about if I start extending my, out, my, my hand out and be a blessing? Come on, are y'all with me out there? 
And so listen, the Bible says, remember Abraham in Genesis 12 and verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. He said, I will bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. We are children of Abraham. And when you become a Christian, you get grafted in as a child of Abraham. And the Bible says in Galatians, we're not under the curse. We're under the blessing of Abraham. God wants to bless us as one of Abraham's children so that we can be a blessing. Amen. Come on. How many of you want to be a blessing? But listen, you got to be free in your heart to be a blessing. Because if God gives you a million dollars, you're just going to kill yourself trying to spend it all. Amen. And not give anybody anything, but you got to learn to be a giver. Amen. And so a faithful steward is somebody that learns to be generous. So I, I encourage you. There's three right reasons why we should give. The first one is giving helps your heart get free. It's how you get free. And that's what Paul told Timothy in first Timothy six. He said, tell those that are rich to learn how to give. Tell those that are rich to be rich in good works and to help those that have need. He says, by that, by doing that, you can be storing up treasures in heaven and, and the foundation of your future so that you may experience life. Number two, giving positions you for God's favor. Listen, we, we shouldn't give to get. We should give because that's, that's our desire. That's our heart. But listen, there's a principle in the Bible. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you give, it's going to come back to you. Even the world understands this. They say, pay it forward. If you get blessed, bless others. Pay it forward. And we, as children of God, we should be the most generous on the globe. Amen? In Proverbs 11:24, it says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You know, giving is like planting seeds. And so whenever you give somebody, you say, well, I just lost a dollar. I gave it. No, you didn't lose it. You planted it. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Now, if you got some corn seeds to plant you some a row of corn and you eat all your seeds, you're not going to have much harvest. But if you plant those seeds, you're going to get more corn than you had initially. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. And in 2 Corinthians 9, in verse 6, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Amen. Isn't that good? Now, the third thing, and to kind of, to kind of wrap it all up, giving gets you ready for the final test. How many of you heard before that one day we're going to have to give an account to God for the way that we lived? You ever heard that? Well, you know, that's in the Bible. Romans 14, 12, each of us will give an account of himself to who? To God. One day we're going to have to give an account of how we lived our life, what we did with our lives, including how we handled our finances. We're going to have to give an account. 
And all the money in the world can't save us whenever we have to give that accounting. So listen, Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches will not help you when it's time to die, but right living will save you from death. So money can't save you from God's judgment, but it sure can help you when you get there. Amen? You remember that story Jesus told uh, of the of the three three servants that the master gave when he gave five talents, when he gave three, when he gave one. That's not like talent, like the ability to sing. That is really talking about money. And so it's saying the master gave one five dollars, and it wasn't five dollars. It was more like five thousand dollars. Say one like three thousand dollars, one like a thousand dollars. And Jesus said the master went on a trip and he came back and he checked up on those, the servants that he gave those finances to. And two of them were faithful, remember? And they they were responsible with their possessions and they actually invested it and doubled it. They They faithfully managed their finances. And Jesus said in Matthew 25, 23, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. One servant was unfaithful. And Jesus' response to him wasn't well done. It was something quite different. In fact, he says in verse 24, Matthew 25, the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you've been a harsh man harvesting crops. You didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even with a little, with what little they have, will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know exactly what weeping and gnashing of teeth is, but I don't want to know. Like, I don't want to experience it. How about you? Right? Now, three things in conclusion here. And I think Jesus points Jesus was making with this story of the three servants. The first one is God rewards those who are responsible and faithful with their finances. God rewards you. He said, if you're faithful with a little bit, I'm going to give you more. You know, some people, if you gave them a brand new car in a short amount of time, they would need transportation because they wouldn't take care of a brand new car. Come on. How many of you know you got to be faithful? You got to be responsible with what God gives you. Are y'all with me out there? The second principle is that, listen, the more responsible you are with handling finances, the more God's going to reward you and give you more to be faithful with. That's a principle. And so you say, well, listen, you know, does God care how I handle the 90%? Yes, he does. And it's not just how you handle the 10%. It's how you handle everything, right? And at the end, we will have to give an account for what we did with the money God gave us. That's the bottom line. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. The master represents God. The three servants represents three different kind of Christians and what they did with the what God gave us. 
Sure, we need to be faithful with his talents. We need to be faithful with his gifts. But we also need to be faithful with his finances. Amen? And so how we handle our finances gets us ready for the final test. How many of you want to be ready for the final test? Amen. Do me a favor and stand with me this morning. How many of you want to hear those words? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. How many of you want to hear that? Come on. How many of you ever heard somebody say that? I just want to hear. Todd, I just want to hear. You know, it doesn't matter what I got to go through. Whenever I get to the end, I just want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do you realize that phrase is in this parable talking about how we handle our money? That's where he, that's where we see well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. So what that tells me is if I want to hear that, I need to not only keep serving God, loving God, do all I can to, to help others. I need to be faithful with my finances. Amen. Just bow your head with me for just a moment. You know, as we've been saying, it all starts with the heart. God's not so much interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. And he doesn't want you to be controlled by money, mastered by money, because it keeps you from being under his umbrella of blessing and protection and grace. And the reason why he said no man can serve God in money is because money has such a strong pull. It has such a strong hold on us. Because the reality is we trust money because it's what we have to depend on in a natural way. But really what God is after is your heart. And all this that we talked about doesn't come into play until you first give your life to Christ. You surrender to Christ. you got to give your life to Jesus. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. you got to give your 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 whole life to Jesus. you got to surrender to Him. And if you hear today and you say, Todd, I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I've ever given my life to Christ. Would you pray for me? I want to pray for you today. I want to give you a chance to just respond to the preaching of the Word of God today. And God knows your heart. And he'll see your decision and He'll honor your decision to surrender to Him. So with everybody's head bowed and praying, if that's you today, you say, Todd, pray for me. Just lift your hand, and I want to pray for you. Just lift it up, and I want to see it, and I want to pray a special prayer. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hands. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hands. Right here, I see your hands. Thank you, ma'am. I Right over here, sir, I see your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. This is the greatest. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand back here to my left. Listen, those of you that have your hands raised, I want you to just pray this prayer sincerely from your heart like you're talking to God and say this, Lord Jesus, come on saints, let's all pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a giver and giving your life so my sins could be forgiven. I know I'm a sinner, but I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I want to turn my life to you. I want to live for you. Lord Jesus, would you help me? to live my life for you. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 
God bless you. There was several hands that went up this morning. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. Amen. Congratulations. There's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. If you want to take time to just fill that out, we're not going to harass you or anything, but we just want to pray for you. We have a gift for you. Just bring it to the desk in the lobby. How many of you glad to be a child of God living in today's day? How many of you glad that God's a good God and he wants to bless his people? Let me pray a blessing over you, Father. I pray the favor of God, the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for giving us the wisdom to handle our money, our finances in a way that will bring glory and bring honor to you. We love you. We honor you. And we thank you for this day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody shouted and said, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, come this way. If not, we'll see you soon. Be blessed as you go.